Welcome to Shift, a college admissions ACT and SAT podcast for a changing world. I'm Tyler, founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable ACT course that uses memory-based adaptive learning technology to get you better results in less time. You can get a free trial of our ACT course by visiting achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast gives you 10% off at checkout. Now, let's get started with a great kind of longer episode today with Elton Lin from Illumin Education. And so, Elton, I'd love if you could just give a bit about your background uh, and about your company. Hey, thanks, Tyler, for having me on. I am the CEO of Illumin Education. Um, I started the company in 2014, have been a private college counselor for the better part of 12 years, um, have seen a ton of students and a ton of different profiles, and we've worked with students who've been admitted to every top 50 university. Um, our internal admit rate is three times the national admit rate for top 15 schools. And uh, we're certainly proud of our students' college results, but super proud of our students' growth over the course of their time working with us. We try to imbue life coaching elements into our work with students, and uh, we just want mm-hmm. students to be successful in whatever way they can be. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think this is makes you a great person for this upcoming topic because when you're, I think when people write college applications, they often are just kind of writing them from the sense of like, I'm going to talk about me and they're maybe not writing them with a specific major in mind or a specific objective in mind. Right. And at the end of the day, you're, you're not going to college to go to college. You're going to college to get a degree in a major that will get you a job in a field that you're interested in. Right. Um, but you know, by maybe when high school students are applying to college, they're so focused on how do I make the best essay, et cetera. They might not be thinking about that aspect of it, which actually plays into admissions decisions a fair amount, right? Admissions officers want to see that you are a good candidate for the specific program at their school. Um, so I just think this is a really important topic and excited to dive in. I, uh, I think we're going to start with the most popular one here, as you said, when we were talking before the show, <laughs> Uh, so if you are applying for a computer science major, and I actually, I went to Carnegie Mellon, but I didn't, um, I didn't go to the computer science school. I went to the business school. And so, yeah, I've seen, I, I, you know, getting into the computer science school at CMU is actually much more difficult than getting into the business school. (laughs) It is. Right. Um, and so, you know, for computer science majors, if you are looking at the, like the top 15 programs, as you said. You're looking at Carnegie Mellon, MIT, Caltech, Georgia Tech, like stuff like that. Uh, how do you design the best possible application for those programs? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, you know, just to, as a quick comment, you know, no shade on Tepper. Tepper School at Carnegie Mellon is terrific. So, uh, so, well, thank so, you. I appreciate yeah, that. Should be proud of that without question. But with regards <laughs> to computer science majors and other engineering type majors, I mean, I think with, in relation to what an admissions officer is looking for, uh, it's always this question of whether the student will survive. It's, it's this baseline question. You know, will the mm-hmm. student survive a computer science curriculum, which includes um, engineering level calculus, multi, multivariable calculus, linear algebra, differential equations, and be able to handle the sort of analytical rigor that's going to be coming in upper division classes. So. They're always looking for what, you know, as a baseline, what classes students are taking. And certainly we get mm-hmm. students who come in 
and they wanted to major in computer science and and I'll be honest with you, maybe they will only have finished pre-calculus by the time they get to their senior year. And mm -hmm. it doesn't give the admission officer confidence that they're going to survive. And colleges are certainly very concerned about dropout rate and other, you know, being able, needing to provide extra services to really support students. So certainly making sure that students are, you know, uh, moving along in their calculus series and the higher they can get, the better. There's no question. So certainly um, in addition to that, you know, AP courses in um, or AP honors level or depending on what your school, maybe it's, you know, uh, uh, honors level IB, whatever the case may be, demonstrating clear ability in sciences. And uh, I mean, and certainly if you're looking for top schools, I mean, they're looking for strong rigor across the board, regardless of what, you know, what major you're in. Um, right. Yeah. So for computer, I mean, for activities, I mean, certainly students, you know, as competitive as the applicant pool is, you know, we interviewed on our on our show, <laughs> the UC Santa Barbara uh, admissions officer, and, 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 and she was talking about um, how like... Uh, like there's there's somewhere in in the realm of like maybe eight to ten thousand four point who are applying into computer science, but they're only taking around around eight hundred, you know, and so right. the level of uh, competitiveness is is through the door, and so there's no question. Yeah, and yeah, four is definitely not nearly enough anymore. I'm glad that you brought up that you should be thinking about your coursework because I do feel like that's probably the first thing that people should be doing is mapping out. What is going to, you know, what courses do I need to put on my resume, so to speak, before I apply to these programs? So, I mean, I, I heard you say, you know, you should be further than pre-calc, right? You should be looking at honors, math, things like that. Are there any other courses that are relatively common across high school that you feel like are good sort of indicators to a CS admissions officer that you're going to be able to hang at the school? Yeah, it wouldn't be a bad thing if you took, you know, like say, um, you know, uh, several AP level science courses. Now, you know, I think some people might, you know, say that you need to optimize towards AP physics. Um, some uh, course schedules sometimes don't work out that way. And I think as long as you are taking AP level, you know, you know, AP chemistry, uh, AP biology, you're able to demonstrate aptitude in an AP level like lab science or physical science, I think that that's a good sign. If you can get an mm -hmm. AP physics one or C, I mean, that, that's certainly a plus, but, uh, but at, at least going into some form of AP science. Why is physics considered the best sort of AP science course for computer science students? That's an interesting one. Yeah, I think AP physics as it relates to being a foundational discipline for just engineering, right? So, I mean, I was a civil engineering major myself and certainly applied a lot of, a lot of physics. And, uh, so, I mean, definitely physics principles as it, you know, certainly as it relates to uh, so understanding the mechanics of how things work. And, uh, as, you know, certainly uh, chemistry, AP chemistry could be a good foundation for that as well. But, uh, but physics is, essential for engineering thus you know thus the lead-in for that so yeah and do you have any recommendations about you know either clubs or after-school projects or extracurricular activities that you feel like are going to add to your application absolutely i think for you know i think for computer science or engineering i think broadly students participating in like robotics um, or mm -hmm. any other kind of like coding type club, 
Um, we have students who participate in the Cupening Olympiad, which is a, the USICO competition. They're also like working on developing their own iPhone apps, web apps, whatever students can create on their own in order to solve a problem that's always going to be a plus. Um, I think students are also um, also doing like like math competitions, whether they're doing the AMC series or like hmm. trying doing their best to qualify for you know math Olympiad, whatever the case may be. Um, whatever way that you can demonstrate that math um, uh, programming uh, science aptitude, that's going to be a plus. Great. Yeah, and I think um, you made a note about like developing your own app outside of school. I mean, there's so many resources now for like learning to code or or you know getting started with things like Python, um, and it's not you know I, I say this sort of with a grain of salt because I'm not actually a coder myself, right? But like, it's not an insurmountable goal to to put an app out there, even if it's not particularly like good or well designed or anything like. It, it is something that you can do at this point, or you can certainly make a website, right? Like HTML and CSS are pretty accessible. Um, so there, you know, you can do projects, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And it's not like, you know, it's going to take you the whole semester. Like you could arguably do a project in a month if you, if you really kind of worked at it. Yeah, abso absolutely. I mean, I think these days um, coding an iPhone app is... Um, at, you know, is super simple. In most cases, requires like low to no code, and um, you can get something out. I've had we've had you know uh, dozens of students uh, build their own iPhone apps, submit it to the submit it to iTunes or the App Store, get it approved, and get some downloads to to see if they can get some validation for their product. Right. So so absolutely. And I mean, I mean, interesting. We're having this conversation on December fifteenth. The big you know the big conversation right now is chat gpt and and it could write code so i mean we're getting into it <laughs> which is tyler another another podcast for another time right but right. but we're getting into a time where um perhaps even just the coding exercise is not is less and less necessary and uh, students being able to output some kind of product some kind of solution um to a problem is uh, easier and easier and uh, students should be able right. to do it well, and I think, I mean, you and I are both based in, in Silicon Valley, so I think we kind of, we, we get the the mindset a little bit. Um, there's very much, in, in my opinion, there's very much a mindset in engineering that, like, theory is great, you know, class grades, et cetera, are great, but, like, projects are really showing your ability to take these ideas and put them into action, like of all of all the majors we're going to talk about today, I would say that computer science majors are probably the ones where a real bona fide like app that you actually made or you know project that you actually did right because not it wouldn't be an app for the other majors um, will really like show that you have taken what you've learned and applied it, and I think that it's going to mean the most of all the majors to like have some projects that you've worked on. Yeah, no question. So I and maybe just to back up like one, you know, one step on that. I think most computer science. I, I often tell you know students and families that you know you're normally going in two different directions with regards to your activities. Certainly, there are computer science students who are um, do really well and are hyper focused in something like competing Olympiad. So if you go into the competition problem solving route. 
It normally requires a ton of time. You're not building a ton of your own apps, but you're excelling in a competitive environment that can demonstrate your coding problem solving skills. And so like my students who are like, uh, you know, platinum and we've had students who have been uh, computing Olympia finalists, and it's a part-time job. They're spending 20, 25 hours a week working on this in order to really excel. So if you're not, right. if you're going in that direction or you go in the other direction, which is building your own product. And, right. and so find a problem, uh, develop your best solution for it and just get as many of your friends to work on it and make them as happy as you can. And so, uh, and then you can get some validation through downloads. You can get some validation through, you know, usage and click-throughs and those kind of things. So, uh, so absolutely finding, finding a problem and solving it with code is a, is a good step. Yeah. And I do think, and like a couple of examples, um, of this for some of the people listening that I've heard in the past, one was somebody who made their own game in unity, which, um, unity is like a toolkit that it is still something that requires code, but it definitely kind of, it, you're not like, you know, coding the game that they did with super Mario brothers back in the day. Right. Like there's like assets you can get from the asset store and it, it makes it all kind of a little bit more like an editor, like Photoshop or something like that. Um, and then another one that I heard that I thought was a really cool one was somebody made an app uh, for people migrating from Venezuela to the United States to and to walk them through the immigration process and the green card process as a 16 year old. Um, and they, you know, got it ended up kind of going viral in that community and got, you know, tens of thousands of downloads. And it also had a nice sort of social good angle if that's your if that's your shtick <laughs> that they were really excited about. Right. Um, and so that was a, you know, those are just like two examples. I don't know if you have any other ideas of things you've heard of students doing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've, I mean, I would say as mundane as like, uh, you know, like for one of our students on their school portal, um, you could, there wasn't a way to automatically calculate your, like your live, G, total GPA for that particular semester. So he just created a Chrome extension where it does that calculation for them. And it, and it was downloaded by 60% of the student body. And then he ended up uh, right. licensing it out to other schools. Uh, and so so this is where it's, um, it, it's whatever problem really bugs you and you feel like bugs a lot of other people. And if you can just make their life easier via your solution, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to be great. Yeah. And, and that's such a cool example. I think whenever you can say, you know, I saw a problem, I built an app to fix it. And then a bunch of people use my solution. I think schools are going to love that because at the end of the day, I mean, if you're the school and this is not to get too cynical, but like the goal is basically to bring in students that are going to do great things. Right. And doing great things while oftentimes, you know, there are some really like very smart and very talented people that go work at Google, Apple, Facebook, Microsoft, and like that's their career. Like I think that what the college is excited about is you know that like startup founder or creator kind of angle as well, right? And so that's where you can really show that that's like kind of in your DNA with the with the project. Um, one thousand percent agreed, and it is becoming a competitive landscape for that. So there are there is a, I'm not you know whether this is super appropriate for this conversation, but definitely a sub industry for helping students really come up with their own projects and work on that. And so I think so certainly there is a uh, you know uh, finding ways for students to be creative problem solvers 
expressing that in their own creative way um, is definitely going to be a premium, especially with such a narrow margin for which students get admitted to which schools, especially the top 15 schools. Um, super narrow. Right. Yeah, your goal is to stand out, right? And and on that note, um, let's talk about essays as well. So when you're writing an essay to a computer science program, are there particular things that you would recommend that students are focused on um, or just, yeah, other, other tips for computer science specifically? Yeah, this is this is a this is this is probably not the most straightforward answer to that question because this is where, I mean, if you're if you're perhaps a hyper hyper computer science or engineering or even a hyper STEM person, I mean, you would have achieved quite a bit of technical excellence in your projects and in your extracurricular activities. Oftentimes, your common app personal statement should be a little bit more human. You know, so we've mm-hmm. come back to wanting to help students to really, um, you know, just demonstrate demonstrate their compassion, who they are, um, out, perhaps even outside of some of those exercises. Um, also knowing that on the supplements, there are uh, supplemental essays, there's space to really kind of go into research work, um, what they've, you know, some of the technical achievements that they've had. Um, if there are no supplements, then I think um, demonstrating some of those in the main personal statement is important. But if you're applying to some big schools and there's going to be some supplements and you can go into that there, and then be more human on your personal statement. Yeah, that's good. I, I love that advice because it's like a little bit counterintuitive, but I actually think that's perfect because honestly, I could totally see someone who's, you know, they're really deep into like preparing for these CS competitions or whatever. And as you said, it's 20, 25 hours a week. They probably make that the focal point of their essay because they're like, yeah, this is the thing that I'm doing to get into college, right? But I mean, they already know that you're doing it. <laughs> like, that's also there, right? So, and they know what that means and what kind of the the commitment is, and and also it kind of means to an extent like what kind of person you are. So, I really like that uh, that advice about the essays. I might just give you a quick example. I mean, this is where I had a, one of my students who was a um, who was a Yusuko finalist. So, Yusuko finalist mm-hmm. was top. Uh, top 24 in the United States, and it's it's kind of a big deal if you're in that if in, in your that group. Um, but uh, and we were really struggling with like some of his other kind of math and computer science achievements. But he ended up writing his essay about um, his uh, family. Um, he was a single mother family, and he really had to take care of his brother. And he wrote his essay about practicing, um, helping his brother practice musical drama performances <laughs> while. Uh, while he was growing up and having to, he was terrible at singing, but he worked with his little brother to really help him grow up and help him perform really well in these musicals. And, and that was, a, that was central to his, to his story and, and admitted to MIT and Harvard and, and a few other big, big ones. So. Wow. That's awesome. Well, so then the last bit here um, on CS majors is what kind of ACT SAT score should you be looking at? I mean, I think it's safe to assume that, the math side's a little more important than the verbal side, but like how much so, right? I think CS is maybe not as cut and dry where it's like, you know, the verbal doesn't matter. I don't think that's really true. Um, but I, I'm curious how you look at those scores. And if you want, if you have score ideas for like top 15 programs, it'd also be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think for top 15 programs, and this is probably something that you probably have talked about in other, other podcasts, Tyler, but certainly you're talking about top scores regardless. And we, for our students, if they're aiming at 
top 15 schools, you know, you're still looking at 99th percentile. So you're talking about a 34 or 35 on the ACT, depending on the year, um, you know, uh, 1540 and up on the SAT. So um, it doesn't get you into any school, but it becomes a good marker for, and, I, and perhaps I should qualify that by saying, you know, uh, unless there are lots of things in the admissions process that would, you know, like if you're from North Dakota, yeah. <laughs> you know, so that, that probably is a, that number is a little softer for students where you don't get that many applicants or states where you don't get many, that many applicants. But hey, we're Silicon Valley, tons of strong high schools. Uh, you know, we're looking at that 99th percentile mark. Yeah. So then outside the top 15 schools, just like general advice for because I feel like for a CS program, even though they might not be a top 15 program, it, you, they probably want to see, you know, call it at least a 600 on the SAT math, right? Like as a, as a minimum, no matter kind of who you are. Is that like a fair statement or do you really, is it really like an it's depends kind of thing? I think it's an it's depends. I think it just uh -huh. depends on. And I also feel like, um, and I think this, I hope this is comforting, I think, to most students who are applying to CS. I think... I mean, I do know, I, I know this is sort of after the aftermath of the layoffs at Facebook, but I know some HR people at Facebook and they, generally speaking, as long as you graduated from an accredited, you know, university in the United States in computer science, whether it's a Mississippi Valley State or, or you know, Harvard, um, as long as it's a accredited program, you've already, you know, passed their first level and they're, they are, you mm -hmm. know, looking for anybody who can, who can, who can code. And so, and in most cases, I mean, you're San Jose State. We're in the we're in the San Francisco Bay Area. You're still gonna get a you're still gonna get hired six months before you graduate. So right. so just San study CS. A great school too, also. Yeah, yeah, no question. Um, so study CS anywhere and don't stress it, and you're gonna be fine. And uh, so so there's no yeah, yeah. it is a little bit depends on the score. So. No, but that's that's good, and and I think that's a nice thing to wrap the CS section on is that. Um, you're going to be fine as long as you can demonstrate that you can, you know, build things and solve problems, which I think kind of ties back to the projects thing, which I guess I just really want you to do a project if you're listening. But like, <laughs> I, I feel, I feel like, I mean, cause I, you know, I'm, I'm technically an employer too, right? Like we're a small company, but, um, we, I would be super impressed by a project compared to a, a, like you know a nice resume even in the marketing side right and i think in the cs side it's even more pronounced and it's a good way it's a good habit to get into to start doing these things in high school and if you can graduate college and you know you've kind of got like one project a year i feel like that puts you way ahead of a lot of other people that are applying to meta in other places right so that'd be pretty cool yeah agreed. Um, yeah, so let's uh, let's move on then to the second major that we're going to cover, which is STEM, right? And I feel like there will be a good amount of overlap here between CS, but I am curious, you know, if we take it from the top, what kind of classes should you be looking to take if you want to apply to some STEM majors for college? If you're applying into the same top 15 programs, I don't think it differs that much. Um, certainly maybe the value of like, you know, getting through to linear algebra or differential equations, maybe not as critical um, or not as outstanding or, 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 you know, not whatever the case may be, but certainly math and AP sciences are going to be your friend. Um, 
and uh, I don't think it, I don't think it differs maybe quite as much. It's still can the student handle upper division science and math, and so how can mm. you demonstrate that clearly? Um, and certainly, again, I still feel like if you're top fifteen, you're you're going to be taking you know difficult classes across the board. So, right, and then just generally, do you feel like? I mean, I think the thing with STEM, it's a little bit harder to give blanket advice just because STEM could mean biology where you're like out in the marshes all day, or it could mean, you know, chemistry where you're in the lab all day, or it could mean physics where you're like basically just doing like advanced math. (laughs) So they're a little different, right? Uh, But at the same time, you know, I'm curious with extracurriculars, what you feel is important for getting good STEM extracurriculars and what advice you have there. Yeah, so I think for you're you're right with regards to uh, STEM can mean a lot of things, uh, you know, broad, broadly in the sciences. And you know, I would say I think what's what I think a lot of students are sort of picking up on over the last couple of years, but uh, but certainly um, advanced level or upper division science is going to include include some kind of research oriented experience. And so, mm-hmm. if a student can navigate you know, doing some kind of research project that um, uh, demonstrates their depth of knowledge in a particular science area, uh, it, it means that they can, I mean, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, they can hang, like they can, they can hang with, with, uh, with a, uh, a college level science discussion. And if you can do that, right. then again, giving indication that the student will be able to survive once they get to college, that's going to be a big thing. So, yeah, I've, I've heard sometimes of students going as far as either like basically becoming a TA for a high school class or even like trying to get involved with college programs, if not college classes, then like just involved with like the clubs on, on campus at a nearby college for things like, you know, biology or robotics or, or, uh, you know, oftentimes it would be like a space club or things like that. Do you feel like that's something that's worth pursuing and worth the effort? Cause I feel like that's a little bit of an edge case. I that's that's scratching that's just the tip of the iceberg of <laughs> course for yeah, some yeah. of our for our, some of our top students I mean I think for some of our top students they are um you know at at the very least applying to competitive summer research programs um you know taking one step further they're developing their own research work whether it be working with their high school science teacher uh to develop that then to submit into science fairs or they're reaching out to professors and and even cold I mean we've coached students on cold emailing professors across California and the United States to say, hey, can I just be an assistant, you know, lab assistant, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And, uh, right. and we get quite a bit of uptake on professors who can bring on a high school student and just, just do some work for them over the summer. And so whatever the case to get some exposure, uh, it's going to be to their benefit. Yeah, fantastic. And then let's talk about the essays for STEM majors. Is it is the advice similar where you're you're trying to show your humanity because you're so technical and everything else, or is it more is it a little different for this? Yeah, that's um, definitely for uh, it's 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 somewhat similar. I, I'll go back to the personal statement and just say that I think it's important to really communicate growth. I think it's nice to have some link to your major. Um, if you can, if it's natural and can be inclusive, but I think the more important thing is like, uh, like what kind of, what kind of human being are you getting on campus? I mean, this is where if you're an admissions officer and you're the sort of the gatekeeper of the college community 
and you're you're expecting this student um, to come onto a campus of two thousand to twenty thousand to fifty thousand students who are invariably going to be different. Will that student thrive in an environment where they're invariably going to meet somebody who is like an opposite political spectrum, cultural, right. culturally super different? And so what kind of character are we getting in that student? So focusing on growth and, um, and growth mindset, curiosity, character um, in that personal statement is super important. Um, as it relates to bio, I mean, if you can link it to bio, it wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't be a bad thing. If not, then delve right. into that in the supplements. <laughs> About how you saved the frogs in your local wetlands. <laughs> we, we're in, That's in strong character, Tyler. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, in the San Francisco Bay Area, for those listening, um, we have a lot of wetlands, and so it's kind of that's that's just why I'm stuck on it. <laughs> um, great. And then as far as um, the ACT and SAT for STEM, this this might be something where it'll depend a fair amount on the major, maybe, but maybe not, right? Um, I'm curious, you know, just general thoughts on the ACT and SAT when you're applying to STEM and what you should be focused on really nailing. Yeah, I mean, this is where I think the the ACT as a science section, I, I mean, I don't think it, like, I wouldn't optimize to just take the ACT just because it has a science section, uh, because yeah. you know, it just depends on where you live in the United States. And, and in the end, you just want to get the higher score in whichever platform or whichever format it is. So, um, but yeah, I, w I don't know if there's that much different information. I think uh, certainly math is, you know, you want stronger math, um, if anything, but um, certainly applying in the top schools, you want strong on both sides. Great. Yeah, then let's let's jump to the next category, which is business and finance majors. Um, so we're for the audience, we're kind of we're starting with the most technical and then moving our way to the least technical. Um, but with business and finance majors, I do feel like we're gonna maybe see some changes here. So I'm curious what you feel like are the most important classes when high school for these majors, because I don't. Personally, I didn't take AP physics, <laughs> right? Like, I actually, I really liked biology. I didn't really like phys physics and chemistry all that much. I'm curious, just like, uh, you know, what are the classes, either AP or otherwise, that um, schools are looking for business majors to have taken by that point, by the time they're getting to their campus? I'll, I'll make this statement, and it's going to sound like like no less technical than what, we, what I've said about computer science, but... Uh, Wharton School of Business Penn uh, Undergraduate Admissions webpage. I don't know if it says that today, um, but it did say this probably as recently as two or three years ago. It says we prefer calculus BC. Yeah. And you know, when when they say we prefer calculus BC, it means we want calculus BC. And I can't think yeah. of a student of ours who was admitted to Wharton without calculus BC, <laughs> you know. So with that being said, and I think this is perhaps, uh, I think Tyler, having you having gone to Tepper School at Carnegie Mellon, which is um, by nature going to be very, you know, very perhaps more technical than even other business schools. I mean, business mm -hmm. business school, and if you want to get, you know, um, uh, into finance, is very analytical, very data driven, and right. um, heavy heavy statistical analysis. So certainly. Students who can, um, you know, who can, I still feel like if you can get farther into the calculus series, that's more important than a student taking AP statistics, because you can go to college yeah. and take a statistics class and be fine with it. But 
you demonstrating your ability to handle complex math is in itself a greater demonstration. Yeah, I, and that's interesting too because I'm thinking about like what did I really learn in business when I was at school, and the things that I learned were things that were not touched on in high school at all. It was you know, marketing like types of marketing types of campaigns, etc. It was accounting, right? Which is just like I don't think there's an accounting course in high school, but it's probably like one of the most foundational business skills. As much as we all kind of hate it. Um, like this is the language that all businesses communicate on in the American public stock market. And so being able to look at it is particularly in finance, but in business in general, this is useful being able to look at one of those reports and say, Oh, interesting. So like their profit margins are this, and that's, you know, compared to their competitors, that's actually pretty good. And, you know, maybe like, what is EBITDA? That's a phrase you'll hear a lot. If you go into business, what does that mean? How do you, calculated how you calculate amortization depreciation it's all these all it's it's all kind of like the business of numbers or you know we're in the we're all in kind of the numbers business as businesses right at the end of the day um as much as you know there might be a little bit of a halo effect if you're tesla or something like that but for the most part businesses are evaluated on the metrics not sort of the qualitative stuff as much um and so that's like being able to work your way through a balance sheet or work your way through an investor report, I think um, might be a fun thing to just start doing on your own. Like something that helped me was uh, reading The Economist in high school and just kind of starting to get kind of familiar with all that stuff. Um, Great work but on then, that, okay. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Thanks. Reading The Economist uh, in high school. <laughs> well, I started in middle school and my parents thought that was very cool, um, but I... I just was a huge nerd. Nice. I watched the History Channel for fun. I, I, it was like <laughs> I was one of those kids that liked that stuff. Love it. Um, well, so for business and finance majors, extracurriculars are going to be interesting. I'm I'm curious what you have to say about what extracurriculars you recommend for them. Yeah, I think there's definitely more flexibility in your activities, and this is where um, it doesn't hurt a student to you know, join, you know, FBLA or DECA, which is are, are the business clubs. And I think that's very basic. And there mm -hmm. are spring competitions that lead up to every type of business expression, be it marketing or accounting or, you know, um, yeah, entrepreneurship, everything. So I think jumping into that club and, you know, if you don't have that club started, right? So that that's, that's your plus on that side too. But jumping into your business clubs, um, and then on top of that, there are, you can certainly like jump into other clubs and then be a part of the marketing arm for those clubs. So that's your sort of business experience. You know, you can jump into the math club and then work on, on uh, PR and marketing and getting, getting the word right. out, social media, those kind of things. So any kind of way where you can understand how to grow an entity, um, get the word out, increase users, increase customers, increase participants, that's always going to be a plus. Um, and students who, I, I speech and debate, I think speech and debate is good for everybody. And mm -hmm. being able to articulate a point or an argument clearly, super important. But I think for business majors, how, how to really how to communicate well and effectively, speech and debate's a good one. So, so I jump into that. Yeah, I would even say, I don't know if, I, I feel like something like Toastmasters is more geared towards adults, but Toastmasters is like, 
and they're not affiliated at all with us just for the <laughs> listeners but not a sponsor um, <laughs> yeah not not a, not a hashtag sponsored moment um <laughs> toastmasters is a is an adult club i think um I, they might they might have high school kids come in too but it's basically about being able to give do public speaking and particularly like they work with a lot of people who are overcoming a fear of that and that's another really important business skill right like even going to business school you're going to do presentations in front of the class at a bare minimum but when you go into the working world it's it's everything from being you know articulate in a meeting with your with other with your peers or with your boss about like why you should do a certain thing or why you should do a certain project it's it's all stuff like that and that i feel like that's super important for uh, just like all those communication skills are really important. I don't know how important they would be on the application because it's kind of hard to prove, but I think that being a part of clubs like that might be helpful or saying that you like, you know, presented at a business fair or presented at something in your school would probably help too. No question. I mean, I don't want to say that every admission officer loves speech and debate, but I've not heard an admission officer not not like it. How about that? So, so I think definitely speech and debate is a good sign. Model UN is an opportunity where students have to present a lot. So mm-hmm. that could be an opportunity. And I do feel like, I mean, we're probably going to get to this later, but I think non-applied art students jumping into drama and mm. go and perform. I totally want, I, I totally encourage our students and very few take it up. But go sing the musical, go perform in a performance, in a drama performance, you know, like go for it. That looks good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what do you think Steve Jobs did, right? I mean, he had a script and he like put together a show for his little <laughs> iPhone announcements, right? And he, he I mean, the sort of, I've been reading his book and he would prepare for like four weeks. It was like all he did. And this guy was very busy. And it was just like, that was the most important thing, just nailing the presentation and getting people really excited. Um, I'm curious then also just like talking about sort of the project angle again with regards to business and finance. Business and finance projects are even more open-ended than, you know, CS or STEM projects. Like, I think you could start almost any kind of business. Like, I have a friend of mine, a student that he worked with, uh, started a t-shirt company where he made, basically, he would, like, take the school logo or he would take, you know, and this is probably, you know, would have gotten him sued if he had just nationalized it at all, but... He would take like, you know, the Coca-Cola logo and put the school mascot on top of it or something like that. Right. Um, And then sell those T-shirts at school and at at football games and stuff like that. And it's just like little little things like that. It's really lightweight and easy to do. One of my favorite classes in college um, was called Intro to Entrepreneurship, where the professor literally gave there. You broke into teams of five for the semester and the professor literally gave every team fifteen hundred dollars of his own money. And he said, you have to make as much money as possible with this $1,500 starting capital. And whoever makes the most money will win like the pot at the end. So everyone (laughs) would pay him, everyone would pay him back. And then any like leftover money after that would be, would go into the pot and like how much money you put back in. Like if you put 3000 in, you would get an A and then you put, you know, 2000 in, you get like a B. So there was also like a game theory element at the end where you, you know, you might put in 
you might have made 5,000, but you want to put in 3,000 and keep 2,000 for yourselves because there, there was somebody put in 10 and they're going to win the pot. So it was like this whole thing. Um, but I love that class. And I feel like, you know, $1,500 is probably a lot of money to a high school student and their parents, but you don't need that much, actually. You probably really only need, you know, 50 to to $100 to start a lot of small things. And it'll give you that project and that experience that uh, I think will be good on your resume. No question. 1,000% agreed. And I think the enterprising nature of the students, uh, which I think is similar to the like CS students, where you're finding a problem that you're going to solve, uh, still applies. But the range of thing could be anything. And I think any time where you can grow something, uh, take something and then and then create it so that it grows in value is going to be super important. I, mean, I had a student, like one of my first students 10 plus years ago, he started a like like house number curb painting business. And he basically went door to door and said, um, me and my two friends, we just want to help you repaint your house number and your curb, make sure ambulances get to your house if they need to get, get there. And uh, he says, uh, um, you know, 10 bucks to have it painted and we're going to donate five of that 10 bucks to cancer research because his grandfather died of cancer recently. And who would say no to that? He had a 92% close rate on the door-to-door, right? And wow, that's, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> when, he said, when he said $10, I was like, okay, I mean, I was expecting $100, so $10 maybe. I mean, I don't really need it. And then you're like, oh, well, I'm donating half of that to cancer because my gra- grandfather. Exactly. Like, okay, well, then I would say yes, definitely. <laughs> So like 90 plus percent close rate. So he basically repainted all the numbers in, his, in the curb. He did all the cost of good calculation on the paint and the stencil and all that kind of stuff. And he, um, and you know, there's plenty of, plenty of families who just gave him 10 bucks and didn't want him to, to paint the curb, right? So he ended up uh, donating almost $2,000 after several months, uh, brought on a team of like seven of his classmates to like volunteer and uh and it, it was it was exciting and impressive and and he yeah led on to yeah so fine you do something and it didn't take much right yeah it doesn't take much and and then also that last bit uh, just like pull that out or pull a comment out that you just said you know he got seven of his classmates to volunteer and join him in this mission that's also super important if you want to be a business person is being able to essentially effectively marshal the troops and rally people to do what you want them to do. Um, you know, it's whether you're starting a company, in which case that's like massively important because basically why would you work for a startup when you could go get, you know, probably 50% more money by working for some big old company? Um, it's because of, you know, you sold somebody on the mission and the vision you have for the company and it getting really big. And that's all like really valuable skills. And then the other piece of it is even when you're at a big company, you are going to have to, you know, convince people to help you with the, your projects versus their projects for, you know, everyone has a finite amount of time. Um, I will say when it comes to extracurriculars, I think having like a leadership role, like, you know, being the lead, like the president of the investing club is certainly better than being a member. Um, but I would also, I mean, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. I would caution about like making that your only goal 
when joining these clubs. I feel like, you know, there there is a difference between, you know, the leader that's kind of like you know, gets there and and inspires people and that's why they're the leader versus the leader that just like that was they just that's all that they wanted and they just like drove towards being in charge and then they're like really excited about being in charge but not in like a holistic happy for everyone way just like i'm in charge kind of way so curious if you what you think about that i guess maybe admissions officers won't be able to tell as much but like don't talk about how how in charge you are like maybe talk about like how you inspired people (laughs) is the takeaway there (laughs) Uh, definitely agreed with your last statement where you're not, you know, uh, finding, you know, it's not a moment of hubris to kind of, you know, talk about how much you've achieved. But mm-hmm. um, the, the point that you're making, which is uh, demonstrating leadership, I think is important, certainly important mm-hmm. for every top school, for every major. But as it relates to business, um, we're talking about, you know, definitely my student who managed seven of his classmates and you know uh, generated almost 4k donated almost 2k um it requires some leadership right so i think mm-hmm. there are definitely creative ways to get that leadership experience and i always feel like go do something good and bring other people with you and you'll be able to demonstrate that leadership they will be able to see it certainly right president of x and x club doesn't hurt um but there's other ways to do it yeah, I mean, it could be even as simple as, like, I organize, like, a trash pickup by the river mm-hmm. volunteer thing for my community, and, you know, I even got adults to show up, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't need to be elected for that. Like, you can literally just, like, put up flyers, you know, with a date and time and, like, do it that way. So that kind of organizing, I think, is a really good thing to, to show. I'm curious, then, when we get to the essays with business and finance majors, what are you recommending that they are focusing on in their in their main essay and their supplemental essays? Yeah, I mean, definitely the supplemental essay, um, you know, with regards to, I mean, you still want tangible business exposure that, you know, activities that you've been a part of. Like, uh, it's always the, the invariable why this major essay that's going to come up. And I always tell the CS students, like, you know, like the answer to that, to that essay is not, I want to make a lot of money or my parents are making, you know, or even I like CS or whatever major it is, is not, not a good enough reason. You always have to have tangible support for why you're doing whatever you're doing. Um, I think the personal statement doesn't change that much. I still think if you can, you know, show some growth, if there's a convenient and appropriate way to incorporate your major, it's good, but it's not absolutely necessary. And uh, I do feel like, um, but there's a wider range, like like leadership, enterprising, um, like fascination with like statistical analysis, whatever the case might be, since the business by definition is more interdisciplinary, it's going to be, uh, you know, there's going to be some, some different ways to express it. Got it. And then are there any, is there any key things you want to make sure you highlight? I I don't think so. Um, mm. I want to maybe throw in a comment of saying like I don't think you need to do calculus BC for every every school, <laughs> every business school. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, but certainly making sure that uh, um, yeah that you have the analytical ability to be able to get through a business program. I think that that's important. Great. And then how, um, what do we feel about the ACT, SAT sort of verbal quant breakdown when it comes to business majors? 
Yeah, I mean, strong math is always good, always a good sign. And um, I think, you know, again, top schools are still looking for top scores across the board. But uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely math is, is important. I mean, if, you, if it's the op- opposite lopsided, it looks weird. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I would say my my personal take um, would be that you can afford or you, you should try to be a little more balanced. Like you still want strong math, but you also probably also want strong verbal you know, obviously strong both for every, no matter what you're doing, if you have strong scores in both, like that's good. But I think that, you know, like where CS and STEM, you maybe want to weight your studying towards the math more, right? Because you really want to focus on nailing the math. With business, maybe it's less of a strong emphasis on the math, still strong, but a little bit less strong. That's, that's my take on it. I don't know if you agree. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Great. So then next up is humanities majors. And humanities in this conversation, we, we will do art and drama next, um, sort of as a subset. But humanities, you know, English and, and a lot of other things that fall under that category. I'm curious, like, what classes are colleges looking for when they're looking at English majors, right? These are probably a little bit different schools than the MIT that we've been talking about, right? It's more like the the Browns and the Amherst and and those kind of places, right? Liberal arts colleges. So I'm curious what uh, you feel like are important classes for English majors in high school. Yeah. If, future English majors. Yeah. I mean, certainly if students are able to progress on to um, AP, uh, AP English literature, AP English language, um, if there are, if you're an English major and there are opportunities to, to take creative writing um, and generate content, uh, work mm-hmm. on your writing. That's always a good thing. Um, I think other, certainly other humanities, you know, your your AP histories, whether it's U.S. history, Euro, European history, whatever the case may be, um, certainly going in that direction is helpful. Um, but, uh, and then, you know, government, econ, those kind of things. No question. Right. It's interesting. Why, why government and econ? Well, for most schools, it's required. So you got to take it. And so if you can take AP, AP government or AP econ, and if you're going towards a humanity, now this is where the business major and like say the econ major kind of crosses over a little bit. So my, my right. humanities is a broad, broad definition of a broad umbrella of majors. So certainly, um, you know, that, that fits in there too. You can insert an AP psychology if your school has it. Um, and, mm-hmm. and uh, it could be a good way to get in a slightly easier AP onto your got it good to know uh and then when we talk about extracurriculars on the humanities side what are the things that jump out to you as as being good examples you've seen in the past of good extracurriculars good extracurriculars i think with um you know certainly if your school has clubs that relate to you know the uh, you know creative writing and those kind of things it's always nice. Model UN, as I mentioned, for, for business majors, where students explore, um, you know, different political movements across the United States, uh, the world. Um, I think speech and debate is always a good one, no question. And, you know, uh, uh, certainly, I mean, I think uh, I, uh, there's also a broad a broad definition. I think there's a lot of conversation uh, appropriately on high schools right now about mental health. And so there's a lot of different activities where students 
can um, uh, participate in you know creating a better mental health environment for other students. So that mm. type of uh, that type of involvement is, is is super, no question. Fantastic. And then let's talk about essays. So essays when you're applying for the humanities, probably a little different than what we've talked about before. Yeah, I think definitely if you're a creative writing major, I mean, definitely the expectation for what that essay is going to be is going to be a little bit higher, you know, and and, uh, right. and I've had a few of those students as well. Um, but this is also where the college essay can shine for the creative writing major. I mean, this is where um, students being able to tell a story and their own story in a very creative and effective way. I mean, you're trying to, in lieu of an interview, um, trying right. to get an admission officer to like you. And so definitely use that essay as an opportunity to really, uh, you know, flex, flex some of your skills as it relates to, to writing creatively. Yeah. Yeah. So when you say writing creatively in an essay, I guess like I would be worried if I was a student that whatever I'm going to write is like too kind of wacky and out there. Right. Like, do you feel like there's, when you say write a college essay creatively, do you just mean like writing it in a way that like really kind of attaches the reader to you and makes, and you know, or like in a captivating way where it tells your story really well? Or do you mean literally like being creative, like, like, I don't know, something goofy about like a rhinoceros charging through your bedroom, but it was actually a dream or something. I'm just trying to come up with an example of something that would be a little out of place in a college essay. Like, what do you, what are you, what do you mean when you say write creatively on these essays? Yeah, I think I I'm not not I'm not endorsing um, elephant dreams. Definitely in essays. <laughs> I mean, I'd want to read it. I mean, I let, let's let's see yeah. what that says. But I, I'm not so much looking at that. More so that I think creative writers. Um, I mean, let's just say you're you know like you're writing you know you know you're writing a screenplay for something or writing a script you're perhaps more attuned to capturing emotion or vulnerability in your writing. And so, um, so flex that, you know, go for it as it relates to, you know, appropriate vulnerability and appropriate um, expression of your right. emotion. Um, you're going to, I mean, I'm not saying that CS majors are not, can't do that. I'm just saying is that maybe, maybe on the average, they're like, they've had less practice on it. So, yeah. so this is where um, creative writers and I think broadly more humanities type type students uh, tend to be able to communicate that more effectively. And so do so, please. You're trying to you're trying to connect with the admission reviewer. And, and as basic as some admissions reviewers will say, like uh, you know, what they're exactly they're looking for. They just want to like you. Do they like you? And in most cases, if students write vulnerably, honestly, and they try to connect with their reader, it's it's gonna it's gonna be better. And so, uh, so that's where, you know, flex, flex that muscle, uh, uh, elephant dreams. Yeah, maybe let's talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Great. And then for the ACT SAT split on these, yes, like humanities is a big umbrella, but is it safe to say that we're now maybe entering the zone where you're less worried about math? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think that that's fair. I think, uh, Again, I think if we're applying to top, top, top schools, it's it's kind of about the same. But I agree that certainly validating a student's, um, you know, like writing ability or ability to communicate via a higher verbal score, 
uh, definitely matters more. No question. Great. And now for our last of the majors here, as we're almost an hour in, um, <laughs> and I'm really, I, I mean, I, I love this, right? I'll, I'm going to call this one a mega episode, I think. Uh, yeah, most of ours are more like 20 minutes. Um, but the art and drama majors, maybe they fall under humanities or maybe they're a little bit of a unique and special uh, or what we call sort of its own Disney princess. <laughs> I'm curious, do you, for classes, and I mean, it'll probably really change with extracurriculars, but with classes, do you feel like there's a, a big thing that is important for art and drama majors to take? Yeah, I don't, I don't, okay, well, I mean, uh, as we probably have already established pretty, pretty quickly, I mean, if you're applying to top schools, you're still taking top classes, right? But definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely leaning towards the like AP Englishes, the humanities um, doesn't hurt as as far as really trying to understand the human condition, and uh, that's that's going to help. Um, and it, and definitely participating in drama. I mean, like you can you can take that class that's there. So if you're a drama right. major and not taking drama, it's it's suspect. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, the only <laughs> the only way to learn how to act, I'm pretty sure, is to do it. <laughs> I don't I don't know if you could take classes long enough to, to do it well without practice. Um, I'm curious then, so extracurriculars, I think, you know, there's some obvious stuff, like if there's an extracurricular theater related thing in your, in your school or an improv thing, or even like a mime club, one of my friends, uh, she was in a mime club in high school. Um, anything that's kind of performing in some ways got to be good, right? Uh, on the extracurricular side, but is there anything else that's kind of sticking out to you? If your school has a mime club, you better get in there. I think that's uh, <laughs> that's got that's got to be in there. I mean, with regards to school activities, I think yeah. I mean, I think uh, I mean you can throw in the speech and debates and those, those kind of things. I think that wouldn't hurt. Um, and you can certainly like say uh, be the marketing coordinator for the math club and do tick like do short form TikToks in order to flex your performance muscle. I mean, this right. is where like a lot of those kind of things can be, can be incorporated. So find whatever, find whatever way to perform. I mean, I, we, we've been talking about drama. We can certainly talk about musicians too. Right. So, so yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever, find whatever way to perform, even if it's, you know, like working with other clubs and those kind of things. Um, definitely there are most of our drama and music students are involved in outside orchestras you know, children's theater in their community, those kind of things. So the mm -hmm. more you can, and then from an admissions perspective, um, it really is, I think, um, you know, maybe less, not to say that grades are important, but your portfolio is super important. So yeah. like, like the, the, the level of submission for your portfolio, performance, applied arts, fine arts, music, whatever it is, is, uh, is the big determiner. Yeah. And so let's talk more about that. I feel like that's like actually a, a thing to get into a little bit more before we jump into the essays is like, because extracurriculars and portfolio kind of sit in the middle, right? They're like, they're extracurriculars, but you're submitting them as part of the process. I'm curious, do you have any advice on like basically portfolio construction and also like the best ways to present your work? It's it's hard because I think let's maybe begin with 
art because I think that's the most, um, you know, the most straightforward. But your mm -hmm. like our students who are submitting good art portfolios, they've been generating a lot of work for a lot of years. Like maybe they have like a hundred pieces that they're looking at and they're submitting their top fifteen. So yeah. so it's uh, they're they're not just it's they're not showing up with a portfolio in August or working on it. They've been working on it for years. And so I always tell students, and then it depends on the program. You know, some programs will have different requirements for portfolios. In most cases, they will all take some, you know, mixed media. So it doesn't have to be one type. Um, but most art, art portfolios will need to include some, some type of free, uh, free form anatomical illustrations. And then you can build that up with photography and other, other, other things. And it's fine. But, um, but yeah, you just, it's, uh, they can spot talent. If you have good talents and good sort of abstractions, they can see it. No question. Yeah. And I think just a piece of advice that is kind of applies to a lot of things in life is, um, is, you know, it's, it's, you want to pick your top 15, right? But if you really have more of like a top five, then maybe you only pick the top five. Like it's better to have less things that are all excellent than to have more things, but like some of them are excellent and some of them aren't. Do you feel like that's fair? And maybe I just also am not realizing that there's like a, a requirement for a number of pieces. So if that's true, then let me know. But uh, there is a requirement for a lot of portfolios. So they, they are asking to submit, um, submit a certain number. Um, mm -hmm. But there are some portfolios that are sub like submit up to this many. So, right. so I, uh, and I'll be 1,000. So if it's up to 15, then you know, then my advice would hold, right? You're probably better off submitting five really excellent ones than trying to get to 15, but they start to go downhill a little bit. Yeah, I'd probably like, if I were if I were in that position, I'd say, you know, get into your closet and start working on five more, <laughs> you know? So yeah. I, I think there's a, I agree with you, quality is better than quantity. Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, but I, I, try to, I try to take advantage of the opportunity. Which is uh, right, yeah. The opportunity to submit all fifteen—that makes sense. And then, w is there anything in particular? I mean, like, yes, that these schools try to spot talent in the portfolio, but is there anything in particular that you feel like is going to be a thing that will really set you apart in that portfolio, or just like you know, whether it's working in a certain medium, like three D versus two D, or whether it's you know having like a distinct style. Right, so you're not just kind of making your own version of like chibi anime things. You're making something like distinct, and different. Is there any advice along those lines as far as like ways to stand out? Yeah, I I'll I'll read it, I'll also preface this by saying that uh, that you know um, you know we work with you know over 300 students a year. Uh, we don't get a ton of artists, uh, so yeah. so and there are definitely. Uh, consultants and counselors out there who specialize in our portfolios. So, so certainly, you know, but with what we've seen, um, I think, uh, the type, the type of submission depends on the specific major. So a graphic design major versus a sculpting major, ceramics major is going to be different, right? So, so I think right. there's going to be some, um, I've worked with, uh, like, um, I've worked with, a like a violin performance and an, an electronic music major in the same year. Which to me, like the requirements were so different and so irritatingly different, to be to be frank. Um, that right. Is, so like, so I think it depends. That depends more on the the major, but with regards to art portfolios, um, I think they they are looking past skill set and looking for interpretation. 
like can you really you know like, like where, where's the depth of your um, um, uh, ability to communicate a message in an abstract way and I think that is uh, you know uh, being able it's being able to not just do a math problem but really understand the dynamics around that math problem um, sort of applies in that art setting as well great and then now let's let's get to the essays so when you're applying for an art program drama program music program i feel like your essays are maybe going to be distinct from a lot of what we talked about so far uh, is that fair and what do you recommend for the for the essay portion for these majors for artists both for like um for uh, musicians and for fine artists, in most cases, you have to do an artist statement. And that artist statement is different than your personal statement in a sense where it is your journey as an artist. And they really wanna see the evolution, your process, um, what you're thinking about, like how art is sort of integrated in your, in your rhythm. And right. uh, so that, that, that artist statement is pretty important. Dare I say more important than the personal statement? It depends on the school, but, but it's very critical. Uh, I'd say a student's performance on standardized tests um, uh, actually becomes less important for for a performing art performing or, or fine arts major, and so this is right. where I mean, if you're a good good artist, in some case, in some sense, your strength in that area belies maybe less of a strength in an, in another area, right? So, so I think that's where um, you know we'll get to testing in a moment, but but uh, but yeah, I think that's uh, uh, that statement is important. Yeah. And so let's talk about what schools are looking for in that statement. Right. And I mean, these are like when I think of an artist statement, I think about sort of the stuff that you see when you like read the panel inside of a museum or when you go to an artist's website and their about statement. And it's, you know, something along the lines of like so and so is like trying to challenge X, Y, Z thing about society and like make us like introspective and think about like this thing and you know in a thoughtful way right it's something like that right it's usually like they have a mission with their art or their art has a point to it do you feel like that is the purpose of the artist statement or do you feel like it's more about your evolution with your skills or like what are you trying to cover when in this artist statement i do think number one it is um it is in part how how like uh, it is the evolution of your your artist journey. That's one part of it. But I think the second part that is inclusive of what you just said, which is like, how are you, how is the artist seeing the world differently? And um, you are getting a worldview perspective from, from that person. I mean, I mean, somebody, certainly somebody who's just like, um, you know, like, you know, painting a picture of an iPhone is, I mean, I'm sure that's in, could be interpretive in many ways, but I think they're wanting to understand whether um, they're not just functional artists, but but uh, but nuanced communicators, and seeing the world differently is very important. Yeah, that's great. And then you already kind of touched on it, but just the ACT SAT breakdown. It sounds like just in general, sure, like humanities are probably more important than math, but it sounds like it, both of them are less important than your portfolio. Is that roughly true? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. We've seen students with uh, get into top schools with slightly softer uh, test scores so no question. so slightly softer so let's <laughs> say that means you're maybe 20 percent below the median score or something like something along those lines is it like possible to get into a top school if you're a lot softer 
you know, you've got a, you got like a, a, a 1100 SAT kind of thing, or is it really like, you're still going to be limited by that. And you should still, even if you're a great artist, you should still maybe put some time into it. I, I mean, this is where like, I mean, if you're really, if you're really uh, uh, an outstanding artist, you're going to be looking at, you know, a different set of schools. You might be looking at Yale, right? So, I mean, Yale is, right. uh, yeah, maybe. But even Yale, like some, you know, artists might say is a, definitely a way more more of a theoretical art education as opposed to, you know, so, um, but, you know, or maybe you're looking at the Brown-RISD dual program, you know, where, you know, so, so in that case, like, you know, definitely a higher SAT score helps. And, uh, but definitely I wouldn't, I wouldn't be over obsessing over the 99th percentile as we were with other, other schools. So, or other majors. Right. Great. Well, thanks so much. And any concluding thoughts on shaping your college application for specific majors, just kind of a general closing statement, if you have one. I feel like I always tell students to try, I mean, if you're early on, um, early on in your high school, the earlier, the better, but just do stuff, pursue your curiosities. And like, if you set out from like in ninth grade to like, I'm only going to do computer science. And then you find after a year and a half that you really hate it. I, I personally can't stand it. Like, I don't, I don't, I, I hate that a semicolon <laughs> ruins everything. Like I, that, that, that idea just bothers me significantly, but, but like, um, just pursue your curiosities and you, everybody's like created very uniquely and with value mm. And if you pursue who you really are, actually, there will be a major that matches that, no question. And if it's even not entirely clear, and you go into you go into college uh, undeclared, it's not not by any stretch of the imagination the end of the world. And so, mm-hmm. continue to pursue your curiosities, go deeply into them, and don't be afraid to like try something and don't like it and work on something else. But the students who keep trying, who go deeply, do best. Yeah, I love that uh, as the conclusion, and I think also in particular you know, high school and college are the time where you can dig into something for a year and be like, you know what, I don't really want to do this anymore. It gets a lot harder to do that when you get out into the working world, right? Even in marketing, just switching careers for me from enterprise sales or enterprise like software to the video game industry to education, which is what I've done in my career, each of those had its own learning curve and in a lot of ways had like a reset in terms of like, what roles I was able to get and things like that, right, in terms of seniority. So the flexibility that you have in high school and college is really valuable. And like, yes, I'm sure that some of you who are looking at a CS major right now are getting a lot of pressure to do a CS major from your families because it makes good money, right? And that's not because they, you know, your parents expect you to give them the money. It's because they want you to be happy and, you know, having money is a key part of life to that makes that a little more accessible and so you know they mean well but also you are your own person you get to decide for yourself if you would rather not do computer science and you really want to do graphic design instead it turns out that that's actually a great career too and in a lot of the same fields right in tech and you know gaming and things like that so i i really resonate with what you said definitely use this time to try things and then also try things thoroughly make sure that you know if you know if you try a a cs class and you really like it and then you never touch it again 
and then you get a CS major, well, <laughs> I hope that that carries over, right? Like, you don't always know how much you're going to like something once you get past the exciting early phase and get into the now you're doing the grinding work phase, right? And so it's important, I think, to get there in order to really evaluate something. Agreed. No question. Yep. Yeah. Thanks so much. This has been Shift, a college admissions podcast for a changing world, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Alton Lynn from Illumin Education. And you can get a free trial of Achievable's ACT course for free by visiting achievable.me. And if you like it, use the code podcast to get 10% off at checkout.